0: This, this is. Make it Make it kind. M.
1: I. P. With Massimilia Matfumo. Mark Thompson.
0: Make it kind.
1: Get woke. The legends are true. Overwhelming power.
0: Sauce of destiny.
2: Yes.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, we welcome back to Make It Plain, the CEO of the Federation of Protestant Welfare Agencies, and also the chair of the New York City Racial Justice Commission. And, um, her other title is, as I've said before, one, um, that is as significant, if not the most significant to many of us who are in ministry and those of us who are, who were his followers. Uh, she is the daughter of the great reverend dr william augustus jones <laughs> and my voice got deeper uh, when i said that uh the great pastor in brooklyn jennifer glad to have you back on the show how are you
0: i am i am delighted and i'm feeling blessed to be with you it's always a joy uh, an honor, a privilege to be with you. But I'm feeling especially blessed because in this moment, uh, you're reminding me of um, of not that I need to be reminded, but you're just calling Dad's name, and uh, you know I can't get enough of hearing his name. Him having passed away, uh, he having passed away, goodness, now 16 years ago. But um, his words and his voice, his ministry, uh, his activism uh, are ever present in my mind, and in many ways. Uh, It is what uh, seeds my work and uh, feeling purposed uh, by God to do this, to do my ministry in my way, uh, coupled with his uh, foundational teachings, my dad's foundational teachings. You know, I'm never without him, but it gives me joy when people call his name.
1: No, absolutely. We can never forget him. We can absolutely never forget him and and the role that he played. Um, You chair the New York City Racial Justice Commission. So tell us what's going on now. And then there's something on the ballot in New York in November, correct?
0: Absolutely. So the Racial Justice Commission, uh, just uh, by way of background, very quickly was established in uh, March of 2021 by then Mayor Bill de Blasio. And it was in the wake of uh, the uh, killing of George Floyd and uh, the disproportionate, uh, you know, uh, death and, uh, serious illnesses, deaths and serious illnesses that the black community was experiencing resulting from COVID. Uh, and both the killing of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, um, Ahmaud Arbery, uh, and, and all who came before them tragically, uh, and, and COVID, both of these, you know, continuing occurrences helped us to appreciate that these were not, you know, these, that's what's happening is not isolated. It's not just happenstance, but all of this is seated in structures that have persisted, keeping people marginalized and oppressed, keeping people of color and especially Black persons marginalized and oppressed. And so Bill de Blasio uh, erected this commission for the express purpose of having the commission members all of whom uh, hail from uh, the boroughs of New York City and are people of color, of African descent, uh, Asian descent, and Hispanic origin, having us look at government's role in propping up and perpetuating racism through the years and essentially working to begin to identify those structures, those systems, those laws that allow racism to persist in ways that uh, continue just you know like you know just the way that the the hands on the clock just go roll move around with nobody having to do anything about it how racism with nobody even having to like pull a certain lever or whatever how racism just continues to to work like clock like clockwork to oppress people so we were charged with the responsibility of looking at New York City in that way and specifically looking at the New York City charter the charter is the constitution for the city of New York, much like the United States has a constitution, uh, all states have constitutions, localities, municipalities have constitution. Here in New York, it's called the charter. We were charged with looking at the charter and beginning to identify ways of dismantling structural racism in New York City government functioning. So here we are, uh, better than a year out. Uh, we are now, I guess, a little more than 18 months or a little less than 18 months into the world. Of the commission, but um, back in the uh, in the winter, the commission voted out three proposals that uh, had been put forward to begin to dismantle structural racism here in New York City in government functioning, and they're going to appear on the ballot on the general election ballot in November. So the the commission's been at the work of looking at racism, looking at laws that prop it up, and then looking at how New York City can by change by changing the laws can begin to undo racism and all of the uh, the impact uh, by design, implication, impact of laws, uh, looking at how it harms people and working to undo that.
1: You're talking about, of course, institutionalized racism
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: Mm -hmm. that that does just happen when we're sitting still. Absolutely. When we sit still, it's like it's so institutionalized. It doesn't sit still.
0: No, no, no. It's like, uh, think about it this way. Um, Who? What's a good example? That uh, we uh, have a city and a society where um, people can, uh, people want to apply for contracts to manage the pension of the city of New York. But the structural laws are designed such that you have to uh, have all, already be managing as an entity, an institution, a uh, certain uh, level of assets, and so if it's built into the law that you have to have a certain level of assets before you can even begin to apply, consider applying for a government contract to manage the city's pension. Well, if you don't have those assets, then you can't engage. And who in America, because of these structures, has been kept from developing for, man- for managing assets to begin with? So make it plainer, make it, as the name of the show says, make it plain. Here in New York City, to manage the assets, the pension of several city agency employees, currently, you have to have several hundred million dollars under management, asset management, as an entity, an institution, a firm, to even be eligible to apply to manage the government's uh, pension. Most black asset management companies don't have several hundred million dollars, so they can't even begin to apply. That's in the law. You got to change those laws. So it just happens without even anybody trying to do anything about it.
1: Now, if if I understand this correctly, th- there are essentially, I, I think, three things on the ballot. Yes, that that the New York City. A, a commission for racial justice is driving. Uh, first of all, to add a statement of values to guide the government. So, you this this would be proposed language Absolutely. for a new preamble to yeah. the charter to the charter you speak of. Correct?
0: Yes, yes. And what that would do is, if you got, we all, um, you know, we all know that you know, biblically, the verse where there is no vision, the people shall perish. Think about the preamble in that way. If you do not set forth a vision of what equity uh, looks like and what every New York resident should expect from government and what government should, you know, like how government should view every New York resident, then that allows for government to say, oh, you know what? We don't need to pick up the trash, you know, with due diligence and speed in this community. Uh, Because you know what? They don't contribute to the tax base as much as the people over in this other community. Or you know what? Like, we've got this little, like, you know, like, um, we've got a bubble of healthcare institutions on the Upper East Side that do great work. We want to put a new, like, medical research science lab in the city. Let's just go and put it over there and draw more professionals into that space. Because, you know, like, we like, you know, that's the place that everybody respects. Let's leave the South Bronx alone where their medical care is not what it should be. There's nothing to guide how government should be thinking about all New Yorkers and what every New Yorker is entitled to. And so the preamble, the statement of values, would do just that. What it's, uh, what it's uh, currently written and structured to do is to first speak to all of the harms, the atrocities, that had been visited upon people of color, beginning with the Lenape people, acknowledge it because you know what? You can't solve a problem if you folks do don't acknowledge that it exists. And America, as we both know, has done that from the junk. They don't acknowledge these problems. So New York City would acknowledge how racism has harmed people of color. And then the preamble would set forth the values, the guidelines for how we should begin to redress these harms
1: The language as it exists folks is, we acknowledge the grave injustices and atrocities that form part of our country's history, including the forced labor of enslaved Africans, the colonialism that displaced indigenous people from their lands, the devaluing and underpaying of immigrant workers and the discrimination, racial segregation, mass incarceration and other forms of violence and systemic inequity that continue to be experienced by marginalized groups, including, but not limited to, Black, Indigenous, Latinx, Asian, Pacific Islander, Middle Eastern, and other people of color, women, religious minorities, immigrants, people who are LGBTQ+, and people with disabilities. You write that, Jennifer? Did you write that?
0: I had a big hand in it. (laughs) It Tell me what I left out. No, no,
1: it's excellent. It's excellent. And, and, And it covers, and we hit it. I can't help, though, you mentioned even, you know, historically, the way communities are underserved, depending on where they are, like picking up trash. Yeah. And we've been seeing this controversy at Sesame Place. And a lot of people don't realize that Sesame Street was set here in New York. Yes. Specifically in Harlem. And it looks the way it looks because of what was going on. And so if people just think it was just some cute idea that somebody came up with to have a talking trash can. And I
0: right. out-
1: interact with a trash can, but right. that was happening because kids saw trash around them. And that was a way to make kids yeah. uh, understand their community better to, to lighten it up, make it a little more fun so absolutely. that they wouldn't see themselves as less than absolutely. So, so I'm glad you led with that. Those are the things that are, that are important folks. And, and that's what it does. So that's on the ballot. Now, the other um, initiative on the ballot, this would estab- establish an actual, Racial Equity Office. Absolutely. Correct? Tell us about that and how that would work.
0: So let's first begin uh, just to make sure that people uh, understand what is happening and what this would do. Uh, our new mayor here in New York City, Mayor Eric Adams, has, uh, he led uh, and campaigned on uh, a belief about ensuring equity for all New Yorkers. Uh, he has established an Office of Equity. So that's a good start, a very important uh, uh, start. But the mayor has done it by executive order. Executive orders, as we all well-known appreciate, uh, thankfully, you know, considering what we just went through with President Trump and all of his nonsensical executive orders, they can easily be undone by the next executive who comes into office. So while Mayor Eric Adams has established an executive order centering on Equity and establishing an office of equity. The next mayor could come along and say, "Mm, you know what? I'm not really feeling that. I'm going to get rid of this office and get rid of it by executive order. Well, what this would do, this proposal, if New Yorkers vote for it, it would establish an office of racial equity in the charter, in the laws of New York City, an office that would be stood up much like the New York Police Department. Uh, the fire department, uh, the, the, you know, the office of domestic violence, the uh, department of sanitation, it would be an office written into the law that could not be upended by the next mayor. And this office of racial equity Equity would have the responsibility of essentially establishing a citywide plan for advancing equity, uh, community by community by community. Community district by community district, based on a set of indicators, uh, social and well being and economic indicators. Uh, there are as many as 105 that are already in the charter. The beauty of this is that the indicators, uh, there'd be a baseline, and it wouldn't be, oh, let's try and get our uh, communities with the lowest income up like one or two points. No, the baseline would be, let's see how Mott Haven in the Bronx is doing. Uh, Oceanville in Brooklyn, New York, or some parts of Bedside that haven't been gentrified. Let's see how they're faring on these social, economic, uh, and, uh, and well-being metrics compared to the Upper East Side, the Upper West Side, Brooklyn Heights in New York City, the more affluent communities. And the game plan is everybody needs to be at the same level. Not just bring up the lower-income communities one or two, you know, points on the scale, but everybody needs to be at the same level. City and mayoral offices and agencies would then be tasked with developing equity plans with goals and timelines to move them up, you know, to move, to move communities to these levels. Their policies, their funding, their allocations of resources would then have to align with these plans. And then there would be a complementing commission that lives in perpetuity as well, that is comprised of everyday New Yorkers many of whom have experienced discrimination and racism, who would be the checks and balances on these plans? Do the plans go far enough? Do the plans have you know uh, um, um, goals that are actionable? Has the city lived up to what it said that it would do? And then we'd also, it'd be comprised of city council uh, appointees, mayoral appointees, uh, and uh, borough-wide appointees. So there'd also be a checks and balances there.
1: Outstanding, folks, that's on your ballot in New York as well if, if you're in New York. And look, those of you who don't live in New York, it's still a relevant conversation for you because you, you know, everything, and I've said this a thousand times, Jennifer, a lot of the politics we deal with is really local. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially we're talking about police and election boards and all that. And, and of course, each community has its own unique characteristics. So I hope people are taking notes where you live because this is something that you perhaps would want to do in your in your neck of the woods. Now, here's something else. This is very important. This is something else on the ballot. This would um um it would amend the city charter. Check this out, folks. And I now even if everybody who doesn't even live in New York will understand this. Require the city to create a true cost of living measure to track the actual cost in New York City of meeting. Essential needs: housing, food, childcare, transportation, etc. A true cost of living—that's very important, Jennifer. What what will that do? How will that be applied once we get that and that true cost of living measure is is established and studied every year?
0: So let me just tell you quickly: it is a hot summer day, but every time I get it, hear about and, and and talk about this proposal, I get like goosebumps as though I've got chills because this is a real game changer. Um, the federal poverty level in America sets the guideline for wages and uh, for income supports. It influences how much people make in wages and how much people are able to access child care subsidies, housing subsidies, transportation subsidies, um, and, and cash assistance. The federal poverty level says that for a family of poor living anywhere in America. They need just $27,750 to technically not be poor. And then wages is set off of that. That is why the federal minimum wage currently stands at $7.25. Because if you have a family of four, two adults and two children, and those two adults are working at $7.25 an hour, when those salaries get annualized, they're $15,000 each, which amounts to $30,000. Lo and behold, that family of four is now above the federal poverty level. They're technically not poor. But you tell me, Mark, where in America can a family of four, two adults, two children, live on just $27,750? Nowhere. And here in New York City. That's right. Definitely not. In Brooklyn, in the borough of Brooklyn, when you calculate the cost of housing, food, transportation, childcare, incidental medical costs, A family of four needs at least $129,000 to meet their basic needs. So what this proposal is designed to do is to require New York City on an annual basis to not just put out, you know, this is how we're doing by the federal poverty level. Look at us. We're looking good. Because you know what? We raised the wage by a dollar or two. We're at $15 an hour. And so we drop the, you know, not as many people living in poverty. No, that's a falsehood. That's a bold-faced lie, because you know that that federal poverty number is actually not really counting who's in need, because it's self-suppressed. So what this would do would say, this is what the true costs are. Now let's talk about what wages, what meaningful wages look like in a city like New York. Let's talk about what people really need by way of child care subsidies, housing subsidies, cash assistance, it becomes a game changer because it now gives us the data to press for meaningful, for fair wages. It gives us the data to press for critical income supports. And the reason why there's a real racial element to it is that we know in America that the primary and, and often the sole breadwinner in black household is the black woman. And we know that on average, her wages are far less than what she should be paid. We know the black woman makes 64 cents on the dollar that the white man earns. We know that the black woman is the most educated segment, group of people in our society, but yet her wages are suppressed which ultimately means that one in four Black children lives in poverty compared to less than one in 10 white children. So if we begin to talk about what true cost of living looks like, we can begin to talk about what real meaningful wages should look like and what income supports should be to help people not only get by, but actually get ahead.
1: Three important ballot initiatives, a statement of values, a new preamble, establishing a racial equity office, codifying it in law, and also measuring the true cost of living. Tell your friends in New York, it's on the ballot in November. And again, those of you out around the country should take a look at this. We invite you to, to read more about it at the website, racialjustice.cityofnewyork.us, racialjustice.cityofnewyork.us dot us jennifer jones austin is the chair and jennifer's dad reverend dr william augustus jones and, and my grandparents they used to have an old song they sing along and my grandmother told it to me we don't sit singing. right in the corner where you are right in the corner where you are whoever's far from harbor you may help across the bar right in the corner where you are and and when i heard that as a little boy Amen. i understood it that's what jennifer's doing for the folks in new york And I truly hope others will be inspired to take a look at this. And, you know, I I travel the country, talk to people and folks are in their own issues and their own communities. But this is it begins here. It begins at home. Organize it.
0: Yes. They say, uh, you know, whether people like it or not, so goes New York. So goes the nation. And this is the first commission of its kind in the nation. It's the first time this has ever been done. Additionally. If New York City, it is voters who get to decide on this. So, you know, somebody once said to me, you know, you could fail in bringing forth these proposals. You know, people may not like them. You could fail. And my response was, if I've done what I feel called and purposed and led to do for my people and all who stand to benefit, it's not that I will have failed. But if New Yorkers don't come out and vote, and they allow those people, many of them who live in New York and call themselves, you know, uh, being on the right side. To, you know, to outnumber them in voting. Then the city of New York will have failed and those who did not show up to do their part. That's my take on it. Right. I see that as Jennifer Jones Austin, yeah, not as a commission. Uh, Jerry, yeah. but as Jennifer Jones Austin.
1: No, I understand. No, that's, that's absolutely right. So, folks, we, uh, uh, we don't need all of us to fail. We need to go up together. Racialjustice.cityofnewyork.us. Check it out. Jennifer Jones-Austin, thank you as always.
0: Thank you. Appreciate you all that you do.
1: All right. I'm well,
0: you do it, but you do it.
1: <laughs> and God bless our God. beloved ancestor, Dr. William Augustus Jones.
0: Thank you.